0: You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East. I'm one of the hosts of this show. I cover the Pacers for Forbes and the West Side Community News, and today... Boy, oh boy, do we have a lot to get to. We have some follow-up to the Nate Bjorkren news from ESPN and The Athletic regarding his uncertain future with the Pacers. We have audio from Bjorkren himself uh, from right before the Pacers game today. And then in more coaching uh, news, is not the right word, but in more coaching occurrences for the Pacers, assistant Greg Foster and Goga Batadze get in. A verbal confrontation during the game today. Got to break that down. So, the first segment will be all about coaching and that stuff. And then I got to break down the actual basketball game that happened. Pacers Kings. Pacers got swept by the Kings this season. Yikes. Got to talk about that. So, not a good day for the Pacers at all. And they play tonight against their old head coach. So, a bunch of coaching stuff. We'll preview the Hawks game as well. Do a little standings watch. So, two games, standings watch, and two coaching things to get to. It's going to be crazy. Let's just jump right in. The, the Bjorkrin stuff first. So obviously, uh, if you listen to yesterday's show or you've been keeping up with NBA news, there was a report from ESPN last night, or two nights ago rather, that from Adrian Wojnarowski suggesting that Nate Bjorkren's future with the Pacers franchise is uncertain. And he's been having some communication issues. The Athletic uh, with Shams Charania and Sam Amick produced, pro- produced a much longer report about head coaching in NBA, including the Patriots and Björkrin, More details on the communication issues, even naming Brogdon and Sabonis as two of the guys um, who are involved in the scenario. You should go read that yourself. So Bjorkren was asked about that uh, before today's game, you know, his thoughts on the report and how he's feeling as a coach and, you know, what's going on going forward. Scott Agnes specifically asked the question and here's what Bjorkren said about the report. Well,
1: you know, Scott, like, I tell you, it's, it, you know, it's been a tough year, you know, and there's there's a lot of there's a lot of challenges out there, you know, being a being a coach and be, being a head coach in this league. And and you guys know this and Scott, you, you know this. I don't I don't I don't make excuses for things. Um, I, I I'm I'm a young coach and, and I'm learning and, and I'm growing and, I, and I'm trying to be better. You know, I got I got to coach better, um, you know, and this is on me. You know, this I'm the head coach and and things should be pointed at me and rest on my shoulders. And I love coaching this team and the, the relationships with the players and the coaches and the organization. There's good people. So I just uh, I got to keep getting better. And I will. And I got to keep growing and keep learning, because every day, every day you can learn something. That's for sure.
0: So I enjoyed this answer from Bjorkren, both as a curious person and just from the aspect of covering the NBA, hearing what guys have to say when they're involved in, in maybe not controversy, but involved in situations like this is fascinating. So first of all, that's like the perfect answer uh, for this situation. It doesn't like fix anything. You know, the intent is just to get his thoughts. He's not going to, there's nothing he can do to repair the situation in one answer. But I mean, to admit, I'm a young coach. I'm in my first year. I'm learning what I need to do kind of on the fly, and I I definitely have a fault here, you know, basically what he said, And, and he knows he has to get better. He didn't blame anyone else. He didn't throw anybody under the bus. That's a pretty good answer. That said, right, part of Kevin Pritchard's job is to hire the right coach for the Pacers, and if he's not doing well, right, and he's still learning and growing, you know, you could argue maybe he wasn't the right coach for the Pacers at this time since they're trying to be good. Maybe he needs more time, maybe not. And the you know reports from Woad suggest they'll decide on his future in the offseason. But given the audio of that, I think Bjorkren knows what his faults are uh, and what he needs to do to fix them at least, uh, which is good. And I, I'm glad, again, that he can admit that it's on him, right? This is not someone else's fault. This is his first NBA coaching gig and he is not doing a good enough job and knowing what you need to do. Is the first episode. Jake Fisher, I believe he's at Sports Illustrated now. He used to be at Bleacher Report. That might be incorrect or flipped, but anyway, he followed up and mentioned the communications part specifically. You know, Jake Fisher saying that he's been talking to some people around the league who've brought up that communication aspect and wanted to get Bjorken's thoughts on communication. So here is what Bjorken had to say about that.
1: Yeah, like like you know, is an enormous part of this. It's it's the the management of personalities and um, is bigger than the X's and O part, you know, and that's where I got to keep growing and got to keep learning and got to get better. You know, this, uh, you know, the, you know, the, the record isn't what we wanted it to be, you know, and the losing it's, it's, um, you know, losing those games and stuff, it, it hurts. And, and, and I gotta, I gotta do a better job, you know, in those, in those areas. And, and uh, the, the the players on this team—they're they're such great people—and and that's part of that's part of a big part of the head coaching is is learning how to communicate, uh, learning how to constantly connect with individuals and your team, and that's something that uh, you know I'm going to continue to strive to get better at. So
0: similar to his first answer, just in general, good on him for admitting that. The problem is who's own, but I liked the introspection from him and the analysis of like, it's more than the X's and O's. So you have to be a good communicator. And remember, when Bjorken was hired, some of the things the Pacers wanted, one was an X's and O's innovator and risk taker, right? Kevin Pritchard was all about that stuff. From the player side, less the management side, they wanted a guy who was that good communicator who can get, I think the words were, or the the phrase was, on the level of the players. I want a guy who can communicate on the level of the players. And maybe the X's and O's part has been good, right? We heard, uh, I think, Sabonis and Brogdon. I forget if it was both or just one of them, but whatever. They called him a genius, like, at the beginning of the season. They were rolling. They were 4-1 and one at one point. Then they were 8-3, and three, right? His style was clearly successful at that time. And maybe it was because it was new and other teams didn't know it was coming. Maybe it's because they were fully healthy at the back then. Whatever the reason was, there was a time when it, it felt like it was working and jiving with the players. But the communication part has not been there. And it that's one of those things that it only gets worse and... Uh, You know, we've been hearing about it since the deadline, even sooner than that. So that's been a couple months. So clearly he knows he's got to get better at that part, and that hasn't happened yet. And again, maybe you know, maybe he won't have the time if they decide to move on from him in the offseason. But clearly, you know, he knows his involvement in the reporting and kind kind of confirmed the accuracy of them by admitting his faults and discussing them. So it'll be interesting to see how that stuff moves forward. But that ended up immediately becoming the second biggest coaching news to come out of this game. So... Uh Pacers Kings, it's 80 to 59, I believe was the score. Mid-third quarter. I'll try to break this down in full. That is the correct score. Late third quarter. So here's what happens: uh Goga Batadze is the help defender on a Mo Harkless drive to the basket. And he does not slide over at all. Really, he kind of leans, not quick enough. Harkless scores. And assistant coach Greg Foster says something to him like, You gotta play defense there, dude. Like you, you can't do that. Goga on the other end of the floor hits a three. And then tells Foster to sit the F down. Uh, I think we could all kind of read the lips on the broadcast and figure that out. And then the Kings, there was a foul and there was a TV timeout. And Foster, Greg Foster was heated, right, coming towards Goga. Uh, I have the full clip on my Twitter. Scott Agnes has it broken down on his. Uh, Wob tweeted it as well. It's all over. If you want to find it, the clip is on the internet. But Greg Foster goes over to confront Goga and he is heated. He's yelling something. To the point that Miles Turner has to come over and intervene. He he cuts him off and, and pushes him back and says, "No, don't do that." He doesn't. You you can't tell he said that, but you know it, he's saying you know don't go closer and trying to separate them. Foster goes closer and then gets pulled away again by another assistant coach. At one point, Calbert Cheney. the assistant coach, is keeping him away. Jeremy Lamb is clearly verbally arguing with Foster this entire time. Eventually, he get separated from them and some other players body language during all this like Sabonis walked away from the exchange carousel works just sitting on the bench was really odd it was super weird um it was just a super weird exchange that kind of stuff doesn't really happen that often and like heated exchange happens happens all the time between players and coaches and Bjorkren after the game when asked about it was kind of like Look, I know what happened. First of all, he said he talked to both Foster and Batadze between the game and our media session, but was gonna to talk to them more further. So there might be more to come from this in the future. But as of now, he has spoken with both of them. And he he said it was just a kind of like a heat of the moment frustration thing. And that's a like that's a wild heat of the moment frustration thing. You know, we don't see again, we see like spats between players and coaches, but they don't get to the point of like other guys coming in and separating them. That's what makes it seem a bit more intense. Uh, to me, which was very odd. Um, but, yeah, just calling it frustrating and competitive juices flowing, I think is a phrase he said. You know, that that's how Bjorken described it. But it looked way more heated than that to the point of separation. And Miles Turner went and put his arm around Goga. Goga admitted it was his fault in the huddle with the team. So we'll see if anything comes from that. Uh, Jay Michael was reporting in the Star that assistant coaches are involved in some of the communication issues with Bjorkren. so certainly this coming the same day as that is fascinating. And I asked Justin Holliday after the game about this because he's the oldest guy on the team and he makes fun of me for... The way I mentioned that in the question, and you'll see why that's relevant. And he's played for a lot of teams, and I wanted to get his take on the spat. And have you seen anything like that before? So here's what Justin Holliday said about the Bittadze, uh greg Foster little communication thing on the bench. Justin, you're one of the older guys on the team, and you've played for oh, various...
1: The not, oldest. Excuse go me. Go say it. it's all right. No, I'm just saying. You go ahead and say it. I, pre- I appreciate you looking out, but this is cool.
0: I tried to be nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I appreciate uh, you. you. You've played for various franchises in your career as well. Have you ever seen anything quite like the bench spat between Goga and Coach
1: Foster this evening? Um. Yeah, I've seen stuff like that happen before. Um. And again, it's 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 unfortunately sometimes it's a part of the game. You know, dudes want to win. Uh, coaches want to win, and you know, guys are just. Really, really, really uh, amped and in in, in in a aggressive, you know, attack mode, and, and sometimes that happens.
0: Yeah, the coach Nate called that a heat of the moment frustration kind of thing. You were right next to it. Did do you agree with that? Did you see everything that happened?
1: I didn't see everything that happened, but that's what I would say it was. Again, there's that, that has to be the only reason why. Why else would you know, you know, guys be? I mean, I've had plenty of times I've been in a game, and, and you know, coaches are fired to come over and say something, and sometimes a player. Uh, you know, might say something back or whatever, and, and, and it is what it is. This is basketball, you know. We're all men out there trying to play this game, and you know, sometimes guys get a little heated. So
0: again, interesting thoughts. Um, Bjorken and him sort of jiving in the fact that they're what they're saying in the press conference is just like, yep, competitive frustration, normal-ish heated argument mid-game. That said, you know, we all can see, like, we all have eyes and watch the game, and like, that was pretty intense uh that was one of the more like i've i've seen bjork and yell uh, like before and you know it kind of goes away real quick and no one has to be separated you know that's kind of where the difference is, is is people holding other people back and they can hear what is being said so i think it was definitely um a little more than it's being led on to here by Justin Holiday and and the comments we got from Bjorken. Again, they were more involved than they, they would know better. I don't think they're lying, but I definitely think that it's a little more than that. You know, if it's something that Bjorken has to address with them after the game, it's certainly something we'll see if it leads to anything as well. But it it was very heated to the point of both broadcasts stopping and talking about it right before commercial break. So again, we'll see if anything comes from this. Um, no one is in the right in a situation like this, right? Like. I personally don't think a player should be berated to the point of needing to be separated, even for an error, right? Like, guys make help defense mistakes, like, all the time. Like, every other possession for the Pacers this season, honestly. That said, at the same time, there's no need to, like, like bark back at the coach mid-game. So, you know, that that doesn't need to get to that point, but it should not. you should not be berating a guy to the point of being separated. So, it was very heated. Check it out for yourself. Make your own opinions. But Justin Holliday's thoughts, I think, are important here, and... Given the context of Bjorkren and the communication and how the assistant coaches lead into all that with the stories we have coming out, very odd time on the Pacers coaching front. We'll continue. This will be a developing story for basically the rest of the season. There's only seven games left. So we'll continue to cover this as the season goes on. But let's move on. The actual basketball game that happened. The Pacers played the Kings. Let's talk about that. But first, I got to talk to you guys about Headspace because people keep trying to tell you to try meditation and you're thinking, when? When would I have the time? You should check out Headspace. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. It's the only, one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So, whatever the situation, Headspace can really help you feel better. Need some help falling asleep, they have wind-down sessions their members swear by for parents. They have morning meditations you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost your focus, and increase your sense of overall well-being. It's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits and hundreds of thousands of five-star reviews. Go check them out. Headspace.com slash LockedOnMBA, all one thing in the URL. That's Headspace.com slash LockedOnMBA for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace, full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to Headspace.com slash LockedOnMBA today. So the Pacers did actually play a basketball game amidst all this coaching carousel Uh, and yelling on the bench stuff going on, they played a game. And for a while, it looked like they were going to be okay. They were up big early, forced the Kings to call an early timeout. Their offense looked good. The Kings got hot to end the quarter. Marvin Bagley, in particular, was great for them. So the Pacers were down four after one. And then again in the second quarter, Kings were getting into the paint at will. They were up nine at halftime. But the Pacers were kind of in it in the first half. You know, they were battling. They were getting... Decent enough performances from Sabonis and um, some other starters. You know, McDermott was playing okay. Karis Levert was an off night, but, you know, was still getting into the lane enough that he was a threat. And Keelan Martin had a good first half right. They were in the game. They were looking okay. And then in the third quarter, the, the wheels kind of fell off on their offense. And it sort of did in the second quarter, too, but they did enough to stay in it in the third quarter. It really got away from them, and after three quarters, they'd only scored 68 points, which the Pacers, like, they just scored 141 against the Wizards, right? Their problem has been their defense, and I've talked about this before, but there's kind of like a pendulum with the Pacers, where they solve one problem, and the pendulum swings, and by solving that problem, it creates another problem. This was a pendulum moment where their defense improved, right? They did, a, they did an okay job. I don't want to say they played good defense, but they did an okay job. They held the Kings to a pretty... Poor shooting percentage, and they forced some turnovers, and they did good. They tied on the glass. Like, they played OKD in this game, but their offense was just atrocious. They didn't have the pace they usually had. They had some of those slower, so bonus post ups they didn't get into. They weren't as organized. Uh, Edmund Sumner was out, so they started Aaron Holiday. They didn't have the same level of point guard play, and their offense really stunk in this game. Uh, it was not uncharacteristic given the guys they had out, but definitely given the way they've played recently, only losing Sumner to see them struggle this much on offense was quite interesting, right, they they played well with McConnell in the game tonight, and I think that that was, uh, you know, if they really were going for this one, and I think they really did go for it, but, you know, this game got really thrown off in the third quarter, McConnell played 22 and a half minutes, he was plus four, they outscored the Kings by four points, and he basically played half the game, and Aaron Holiday played 27 minutes, he was a minus 12, right, so they started Aaron because Sumner was out, and Aaron has some skills, scoring mostly, away from the play, but he was bringing the ball up a little bit, and when Karras was off, they're basically counting on Aaron Holiday to be that a, a spot-up shooter and a secondary playmaker, and Aaron Holiday was two for nine and wasn't the secondary playmaker they needed. He had a, a couple assists. I think he had four or five, but he wasn't what they needed there. He wasn't quite the organizer. When McConnell was in the game, they could get that organization and actually have their offense rolling. McConnell had 11 points and seven assists in only 22 and a half minutes, so... You know, he and those bench units were once again pretty good, but they didn't have enough offense. It was very weird to see that from the Pacers, given the way they've played recently, where they have no trouble scoring and can't stop anybody. Um, but the defense improved on basically everybody except for Marvin Bagley. Okay, Daylon Wright had 23 points on 14 shots. Like he's a good player, and that that's bad, right? Um, but he wasn't like so killer. You know, he just he hit 60% of his threes and was the beneficiary of some double teams. But Marvin Bagley, 31 point season high for him. I mean, they had no answers. It was weird. Like, O'Shea did a good job on Jeremy Grant, so I would figure O'Shea could do an okay job with Marvin Bagley. He could not. Bagley was a role man making O'Shea really think and work, excuse me, Um, and, you know, he had some nice post moves in there. When he'd go over his right shoulder, he kept finishing, and even some nice passes for Marvin Bagley, of all people. No, No assists in the end, but some nice passes, three offensive rebounds. He just completely dominated to the point that, I forget exactly what he had at halftime. I think he had over. I think he had 22 or 24 at halftime, uh, and the adjustment was they switched it up so that Sabonis was on Bagley, and then they put Brissett or whoever on Rashawn Holmes. Goga was on the floor with other bigs guarding Holmes at times as well, and then Rashawn Holmes started to take over. Right, he finished with 12 points himself on six of 11 shooting. So, Sabonis did a good job slowing down Bagley, but the damage was already done to the point that they were behind. They couldn't get into their offense, and they lost. They got swept by the Kings this season. The Pacers got swept by the Kings this season. Perhaps nothing is more emblematic of their struggles than losing twice to the Kings. And it's not that they lost twice to the Kings because they're playing bad recently. They had Vic on the team when they lost in Sacramento. Like That was when they were still playing well and looking like a strong team. So, really uncharacteristic of the way they've been playing recently lost, but not uncharacteristic of their season at the hole in that, you know, it, we, we've talked about how it's like, it's like there's ten, they're on a boat with 10 holes that's sinking, and they have eight plugs, right, to plug those holes, so they sink slower. So, by unplugging one hole, the, the, one of the open holes was their bad defense, so they unplugged their offensive hole to plug the defensive hole, and all of a sudden, they can't score, they lose at home to the Kings, and let's talk standings a little bit before we talk Hawks, because... This game does obviously have an impact on the standings. I want to do standings watch once a week. It's a little hard to fit it in this week given all the stories they have and that they have three weekday games. We can squeeze it in. The Raptors lost to the Clippers two nights ago, as of you listening to this. And the Wizards lost right after the Pacers lost to the Bucs. Losing to the Bucs is fine, you know, whatever. The Wizards were right in it. They almost hit a full court shot to win it at the end. Those losses mean the Pacers currently are a half game ahead of the Wizards for nine still. They've played a game less than them so in theory they control their own destiny for nine still but they're half a game ahead of the Wizards for nine and they're four games ahead of the Bulls who are 12th and three and a half ahead of the Raptors who are 11th the Raptors have played one more game than the Bulls the Raptors play the Wizards the same night as this Pacers Hawks game so one of those teams is guaranteed a loss if the Wizards win that would put the Raptors and Bulls both um, four back of the Pacers and their peak, both of them, their peak wins uh, would be would be 33 for the Bulls and 32 for the Raptors. So that would mean uh, four wins is what the Pacers would need to guarantee the mid playoffs. But I, the Bulls play the Raptors at one point, so you know one of the teams is guaranteed to lose there. So. It's really 3 I think is the guarant- is, is basically guaranteed to get them in. Honestly, two more wins for the Pacers might guarantee them a play-in berth at this point. Not that anyone wants that. I think basically everybody <laughs> I interact with on Twitter like even the really optimistic people who wanted to see them in the play-in, this game kind of broke their backs to of like please just mercifully end this season. But you know, the, the standings are what they are. They're, they're two games behind the Hornets now, so that push for eight is very unlikely unless they can upset the Hawks and right the ship against the Cavs. But, you know, the way it's breaking down where, right, the the, the 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 excuse me, the Hawks, the Raptors and the Bulls just can't win, right? They just keep losing even when they're trying to win. Zach Levine is coming back pretty soon. So that gives the Bulls, I guess, an outside shot here. But the Bulls on their way forward still, they play the Hornets, Uh, like, what a perfect night for the Pacers here. I mean, even if they lose to the Hawks, the the Hornets play the Bulls, and the Raptors play the Wizards. So two of the teams right around them in the standings are guaranteed to lose. And then the Raptors play the Bulls next Thursday. The Raptors also still play the Clippers, who are fighting for playoff seating and are good. The Pacers, obviously, the Mavs, who are also fighting for seating, and the Grizzlies, right? The Raptors schedule the rest of the way is pretty tough. The Bulls, however, have a decently easier schedule. They still play the Pistons in there, and then we will play some teams that, probably have their seating locked up. But they also play the Raptors and uh, the Hornets and the Pistons, I already said. But the Bulls could be a theory of threat, but they play the Celtics and Nets twice, right? There's a chance that as the Nets push for the number one seed that they're still trying, and who knows with that. So, um, But their schedules are tough. So those teams winning out or winning to the point that, you know, the Pacers might just need, like, one more win, and they get it. And it could be against the Raptors in the last day. We'll see. But, you know, that they keep separating from these teams not because – the Pacers are winning, but because these teams keep losing, and there's just not enough time for them to really catch up, like, the Wizards and Raptors only have six more games. They only have six more games, so the Pacers being four ahead of them is almost enough to just get it done, right? The Raptors win out, they'll win 33. If the Pacers lose out, they already are at 30, right? It's, it's very unlikely to me that the Raptors, who've won 40% of their games, will win more than maybe four, so we'll see what happens here. Zach Levine coming back for the Bulls does change things a bit, but again, if the Bulls and Raptors, like, it could, it could be over by the weekend, even if the Pacers keep losing. It's just that these teams aren't good enough to catch up. So the standings are about the same as they were last week, just because all these teams keep losing, except for the Wizards, who are right behind the Pacers. But at some point, it's just going to be Pacers-Wizards gets locked in as the 9-10. doesn't really matter if you get passed by the 10 seed, you'd be playing the same team anyway. So that's standings watch. We'll see if it means anything. Uh, but now, the Pacers play a game tonight. Atlanta Hawks uh, in Indy. McMillan's return to Indianapolis as a head coach. He was an assistant. Uh, oh, they've played both games in Atlanta. Never mind. He has not returned yet. So we got to break down all that fun right back to coaching talk, right? It, ne- it never really stops, although that storyline has never really been a thing, right? The the McMillan-Bjorkren storyline is never really a thing. Whatever. Got to talk about two great groups of people before we talk Pacers-Hawks. So first up, is betonline.ag, one of the official betting sponsors of the Lockdown Podcast Network, and the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season in full swing. Get it? Good pun. And you can track all the action over at betonline.ag. They have tons of sports action on the go. You can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, and NHL, plus even UFC MMA action before the next pitch. Head over to betonline on your laptop or mobile device. Check out All the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in the game. As teams prep for their runs into the play-in or the playoffs, depending what team you root for, head on over to that website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device, and you can sign up today. You'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code LOCKEDON, all one word. When you sign up, betonline, your online sportsbook experts. And, of course, the awesome folks, Over at Rock Auto, because one reason to repair and maintain your car is to save money that you can then use for other important things like your mortgage or food. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership when you can get them for cheaper at rockauto.com, a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for over two decades? They have everything you could need for your car from hundreds of manufacturers. You can get it in just a few clicks, delivered right to your door. Rockauto.com catalog is unique. Super easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. And those prices, always reliably low. So go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. And please write Locked on in there, How Did You Hear About Us box when you check out so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Nate McMillan's Hawks versus Nate Bjorkren's Pacers for the second time. Very fun and exciting Game. The Hawks are really good since McMillan took over. I think they're like twenty-three and ten since he became the head coach. They just blew the doors off the Suns earlier tonight. The Phoenix Suns, who were first, well, were first in the West until the Hawks beat them by thirty-two. The Hawks won that game by thirty-two, absolutely dominant. So they're playing great. They're also on a back-to-back, so no rest advantage for the Pacers. In fact, the Pacers have a small advantage in that they're not traveling. The Hawks are coming from Atlanta, Indiana, for this game, but that might not matter. The Hawks are just better than the Pacers, right? They're ninth in offense, twenty-second in defense. And that might matter. I would say the Hawks have a poor defense. Pacers can you know, get on track and do stuff. They scored 117 against them just a few weeks ago. But with all these players out for the Pacers and the way they just played against the Kings, I don't think they can take advantage of anything the Hawks really do, especially with all the guys out. Right. So the Pacers played the Hawks. April 18th in that game. That was Turner's last game, maybe of the season. We still haven't heard an update on him. Haven't really had a chance to ask with all the other stuff going on. But Brogdon also played in that game. Sumner played. Jeremy Lamb played. Right, they were really healthy that game. And then since then, things have really gone downhill. So it's really hard to draw a ton of, of you know, what what did the Pacers do well that game that they can pull into this game? That said, the bench was a key thing, and Adam and I talked about that with in the past. Right, the Hawks bench is pretty crap. Solomon Hill, Lou Williams are like vets who are good but they both are very flawed at certain things Solomon Hill not really a good play finisher Lou Williams a horrible defensive player right so it's easy for the Pacers in theory just to get an advantage against those units McConnell has done well against the Hawks forever he was nine of ten in that game a few weeks ago Sumner and him weren't there together with that second unit is great but Sumner's hurt and who knows if he'll even be back right I imagine everybody who missed the first game is not going to be back for the second game of a back to back. So that would be, you know, Sumner's still out, Turner's still out, uh, Brogdon didn't play. So he, in theory, would be still out, right? Like, that's those are big losses. So the bench advantage could be gone. And the starters for the Hawks just destroyed the Pacers, right? Trey Young was amazing. He had 34 points and 11 assists. And Clint Capella might have been even better. He had 25 points, 24 rebounds, three blocks. He was everywhere, right? And then you still have. John Collins, that was his first game back from injury, doing his damage. Kevin Herter had 23 points and shot well from three. Bogdan Bogdanovich is like the best shooter in the NBA recently. So it's really, really hard to stop the Hawks. And the Pacers' advantage that they could have in the past, getting that bench unit success, they can't do that. They're not going to be able to do that with the guys that head out their second unit. Against the Kings tonight, McConnell was still there, did well. Justin Holiday had an okay game. And then Keelan Martin's in that group, Goga's in that group. Those guys have some good skills, and they're developing in NBA players, but clearly flawed and and exploitable, right? Keelan Martin has to hit three or four threes against the Spurs to have a, a massive impact to help them win that game. And, you know, Goga's good and, de- again, developing, but you know who knows what kind of fire he's going to come out with tomorrow too. Maybe he'll be awesome. So the bench unit will not be as good. It'll really hurt the Pacers' chances in this game. Keeping up with Trae Young's heart, they did a good job the first time, but that was the Lord Lloyd Pierce Hawks. This is Nate McMillan. Hawks, a much different team. The Hawks are fourth in the league in free throw attempts. They really get into the lane and draw those fouls. Trey Young is an expert at it. When they played last time, he got up 14 free throws. And, right, the Pacers are pretty foully anyway. Uh, that's something they're going to have to really focus on if they want to get this win. Try not to foul Trey Young too much. Don't let him get to the line because he can really knock them down. They're, sec- they're fourth in free throw attempts and they're fifth in free throw percentage. They get a lot of easy points. Every game, you combine that with Clint Capella being a beast on the offensive glass and getting the Hawks to 6th in the league in offensive rebounds per game. They get a bunch of possessions with a bunch of chances to be really efficient. 12th in the league at 3-point percentage as well. They shoot 18th most in the league. Basically, they're just doing well in the efficiency battle, right? They're a really good team. They don't turn it over as much as you'd expect a training team to, and something else they're good at that surprises me, given their roster, their three-point defense is pretty good. They give up the third lowest percentage on three-pointers. We know how McMillan teams defend. We've seen it with the Pacers for a long time. Um, but like Solomon Hill is pretty good at getting in your face on D. So is John Collins, Kevin Herter, right? Those guys can defend pretty well. And they have they also have good three-point defense from Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter all season, who are still hurt and not probably not going to play in this game. But they have good three-point defense. So the Pacers are going to have to shoot better than they did last time to win they were 10 of 32 that's 31 percent when they lost in atlanta they'll have to be better than that but they won't have the shooters right mcdermott's been hitting well on the road recently but not so much at home they won't have brogdon they'll have to get a lot of good shooting from like O'Shea Brissett and aaron holiday if they want if they want to win this game the hawks don't do really anything really poorly right they're not i don't know it's hard to, it's hard to like look at the, they give up the highest free throw percentage in the league but like that's just a luck thing right not entirely but you know, being last in opponent free throw percentage is just like, okay, they happen to make more. Maybe they foul the wrong guys a little bit, but, you know, whatever. They're 29th in opponent turnovers, right? So, I guess that's something to look out for. Pacers got to take care of the ball that only had 12 turnovers in Atlanta, right? So, the the Hawks are not particularly turning you over a lot. If the Pacers have a lot of turnovers, they could lose, but the Hawks really don't have any holes. Nate McMillan's got them rolling on strong. They have an absolute beast of a point guard in Trey Young, and the Pacers are going to have to play better on offense than they did against the Kings. And in theory, I want to say again, 22nd-ranked defense Hawks, weak bench, should be an opportunity to do just that. But the Pacers just showed that they have now put together a complete game on both ends of the floor in a while. And, they, well, OKC game, I guess they did. Uh, so never mind. But against a competitive team, they have not done so in a very long time. So I do not expect them to win. They have not played well enough to win for a while. They have a lot going on behind the scenes that – Makes it hard to really say, hey, I expect them to beat the fifth seed in the East. So, a win would get them very close to basically clinching a play-in spot, but I do not expect them to win. The Hawks are better than them. They match up very well with them, and they have, you know, the stuff they're good at is stuff that the Pacers stink at stopping, and the stuff they stink at, the Pacers are not good at exploiting. So, tough matchup for the Pacers. I predict the Hawks to win. Adam will be on recap duty. And the reason Adam was not on recap duty today, by the way, is it's his birthday on the 5th. Well, now it's the 6th. But, yeah, go wish Adam happy birthday on Twitter at FreemanAdam5. You can follow me at TEastNBA and this podcast at Locked on Pacers, where you will continue to share thoughts and stories about what's going on with this team. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you tomorrow.